Hello, you're very welcome to The Week That Really Was with John McGurk and Sarah Ryan, where it is the 5th of May um, and it is Coronation Eve. Uh, we're going to talk about lots of things. Uh, well, we're mainly going to talk about hate speech, let's be honest, this week. But uh, first of all, I wanted to ask Sarah her views on the once-in-a-lifetime event that will be happening tomorrow. Uh, I will be tuning in. I have the bunting up. Um, I ordered a Royal Standard, but it hasn't arrived yet. Um, Sarah, how will you be marking the great day? Are you serious? You actually? No, I'm, 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 I'm joking. I'm joking. <laughs> sort of fits with the image. I get, I get called a West Brit all the time, so I kind of lean into it. Uh, but yeah, I will yeah, be you, watching. You embrace it. Do yes. You? I don't know if I will be watching it. Uh, Keith's away for the weekend, so I'll be solo parenting. My sister might help me, so I don't think I will have time to watch it. But I'm more fascinated this is so nerdy right but um in my family my grandmother was really into um she always used to make carnation chicken have you ever yes there's a so the recipe the chicken recipe from the queen's coronation has Mm -hmm. kind of cult status so i was really fascinated at seeing what the coronation recipe was going to be and it's quiche apparently but then they announced three official recipes for his coronation chicken or for his coronation chicken for his coronation. And it's like a, a, it's a quiche with a big lunch. And then it's like a Ken Ham rack of lamb with an Asian marinade and <laughs> something else. Uh, coronation aubergine. And then. Um, coronation aubergine. Well, coronation aubergine. And then Adam handling strawberry and ginger trifle. So there you go. So I'm really into cooking. So I was really excited to see what the coronation recipes are. I'm not planning on making any of them, but um, I'll probably dip in and out. I like I'm a bit of a royalist in that I love a bit of the drama. So I'll, I'll be I'll be keen. I'll be interested to see Harry's brief, brief. Is it an hour, two hour visit? Yes. And he'll look out of place because uh, he'll be in a suit and the rest of them will be in uniform. Um, and oh, apparently gosh. they put him seven or eight rows back. So, yeah, it'll be all very interesting to see. The world will be watching to see if his father says hello to him uh, or vice versa. So that'll be fascinating. Yeah. I, uh, it's interesting you mentioned Coronation Chicken. That was chosen, of course, because the, the Coronation was just after the war. Britain was still under, ra- I know it was 1953 or whatever it was, but Britain was still actually under rationing at that time. Everyone was poor and Coronation Chicken was chosen because chicken was cheap and widely available and everyone could make it. So that's the reason it was chosen. Um, but I um, love the way it's kind of multicultural. So it's it's curry powder. Carnation chicken is like chicken, um, peaches, it's uh, uh, chutney curry powder. I think, and uh, it's lovely. But it, I love the way it, there's a kind of a meaning behind them. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, I, I I'm a big believer that food just brings people together, John. You know, so uh, <laughs> <laughs> brings me to the table so, too often. <laughs> anyway, I'll be watching. I'll be watching it purely on the basis that it's uh, it's a, it's a twice in a lifetime event. It's not a once in a lifetime event because let's face it, uh, you and I will probably live to see the, the the next king as well. But I'm not sure, given how long that family live, um, that <laughs> that either of us will be around for the coronation of George the Seventh. Um, so it's probably, probably a twice. Not. It's probably a twice in a lifetime event. So yeah, I'll yeah, tune into it without any. What age? Or, what age is Charles? He's seventy four, seventy five this year. Um, and William is, I think, he's, he's basically the same age as us, 1983, 1984, something like that he was born. So, so he, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm betting uh, he'll probably live longer than me. And women live longer than men. So maybe you'll be around in your old age to see the little, the little, the little prince become. And I'll think of you, John. 
You I'll wouldn't think, think of, of me. me. He said, John would have loved this. He loved a good coronation. He anyway, anyway, um, the hate speech bill has dominated the news this week. Let's talk about that because, um, well, actually, it hasn't dominated the news. That's, I suppose, the point. Um, there's been basically it's dominated, no it's dominated the news outside of Ireland. Everyone outside of Ireland is talking about it. Yeah, that's true. I mean, I, I thought it was funny. I tweeted last week that, um, you know, the problem with Ireland is that if Jordan Peterson, Donald Trump Jr. and Elon Musk are saying something is bad, that's basically all the establishment need to say, well, it must be good. And lo and behold, yesterday, the Irish Independent published a headline which literally said, Donald Trump Jr., Elon Musk, and and Jordan Peterson are against yeah, the AC bill. Therefore, let's go for it, lads. And that that's it. That's the sum total of the analysis that's been done in the mainstream Irish media, uh, which is just astonishing when you consider how oh. radical it is. Well, there's so much to this. So, first of all, I thought I, I know exactly the article you're referring to. And yesterday when Keith came home from work, he said, he said, I read this article today and I really thought it was a joke at the beginning. And I thought it was parody. And I said, oh, is it the article about Donald Trump? And it, I, what was even more depressing was that it wasn't. It was another article that was about banning cars or something that he's furious about. So we both read articles that day that we both thought were not real, but in fact were, because that's, you know, that's the Ireland we live in now. But I mean, I think, like, there's, there's so many elements to this. So Ben Scallon from Gripped did such a good job on breaking down all of the um, uh, responses. And then he asked Leo, public responses, sorry, to the public consultation. And then he asked Leo. And Leo's answer to that was more depressing, to be honest to me, than anything else, which is basically like, well, you know, when we, um, sometimes when we don't like the answer, I'm paraphrasing, um, sometimes we don't get the answers we like and yeah, we're just going to ignore that. And like, <laughs> A, as Ben asked, why bother at, Why bother doing public consultations if you're going to re- ignore the response? Second of all, why are we doing, why do we spend so much money on doing citizens' assemblies then? So what you're saying is, I mean, they're not even trying to hide it anymore. It's just, this is the agenda. This is what we're doing. And like it or not, this is what we're doing. Yeah, And I find fun. that to be really like, not even just depressing, John, but like, Kind of scary. Like he said, Leo's saying, oh, you know, well, the government is elected and we are elected to make decisions or whatever. But then why are you having citizens assemblies? Because when when you come to scary topics that you don't want to actually come up with answers on, you leave it to the public. But you're even admitting that if the public don't give you answers, you like you just ignore it anyway. So, like, why bother? It's and why bother? Why should anybody bother ever making a submission on any issue to the government ever? It's astonishing. Well, first of all, a few few background points. You mentioned Ben going through the responses there, and I have to say, Ben gets all the credit for that because I actually told him, I don't know why you're doing that, um, because it took so long. I mean, there was 3,700 out of them. He told me on, I think, Wednesday he was going to start reading through them, and uh, you know, he, he'd done the first 200 or something, and it had taken him an hour, and I was like, Ben, you just don't have that kind of time. You know, We'll take a random sample, sample of them or something. But no, he went through every single one, and he came up with the figure that 71% were against. Which I think is there's another point to this story which isn't being uh, mentioned, which is that the the government itself is actually using those responses to legitimise their bill. So the Department of Justice put out a tweet a couple of months ago saying there is now hate speech legislation being drafted on foot of the amazing engagement in the public consultation, three thousand six hundred responses, and like obviously they didn't explicitly say the responses were in favour of the bill, but they gave that impression. 
they deliberately gave that impression that you mm. know we have all these responses now we're drafting legislation therefore our 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 actions have democratic legitimacy but they knew they knew the responses that they got were overwhelmingly opposed um the responses in favor by the way i viewed a small sample of them are almost all from institutions so independent newspapers have a response in calling for a, a hate speech legislation as long as the journalists are exempt you know hate speech for everyone else but not for us so that's literally what their their submission says every Imagine ngo every ngo yeah. submission in calling for hate speech i mean and and the fact is that in irish society there are people who get listened to and there are people who don't and it was interesting to see uh leo say yesterday that sometimes there are campaigns organized but there were no there was no campaign organized to submit negative responses to the hate speech bill no nobody nobody organized that kind of campaign but there you know sorry sorry but like sorry but also sometimes campaigns are organized so what mm-hmm. like so what if a group of people organize a campaign like that's like saying do you know what I mean? like there's loads of campaigns organized to raise awareness about this or that that's a nonsense vegans have a campaign at the moment where this you know billboards of whatever you don't go oh well you know more people are becoming vegans because of that campaign it's terrible mm-hmm. like so what if people organize campaigns it's, he's 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 so far adrift at sea that now campaigning is a bad thing if it doesn't if it affects the way people think like are people thinking in a way he doesn't like yeah god almighty i mean there's 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 there's, there's the other other facts here as well just this is not the only issue on which this kind of end yeah. run around legitimacy is being done. I mean, the other big one at the moment is the sex education reform that is currently sitting on Norma Foley's desk, where there was an extensive public consultation done. Now, we have not got the full figures on on, on the what the breakdown of those were. We will get them. But I am almost certain that there was an overwhelming majority against what the government wants to do, and it's going to be done anyway. I would uh, bet serious, serious money that that's exactly correct. And, and by the way, I think you'll find a lot of the responses to that were from from parents, not not random members of the public, people with genuine concerns about what's being taught in their kids' school, and they will be yeah. run roughshod over because proper proper hard, hard like proper hard right wing, you know, transphobes, John, you know. And the proper. irony, the the, the irony, alt right, the yeah. alt right. <laughs> the irony here, of course, is that all the NGOs that the government do listen to are publicly funded by the taxpayer on the basis that they represent the public. This is the yeah, this is the this is the this is the three card trick. We fund the Irish Council for Civil Liberties to defend the liberties of the public and to advocate for the rights for the for the civil rights of the public who desire that kind of advocacy. That's the theory. And then the ICCL and I'm I'm, I'm using them as an example go in on issue after issue hate speech being one for example there was the issue with abortion protests in public areas where there's a right to free speech where the ICCL is like ban them they go in and advocate expressly against the thing that they're in theory in favor of their their purpose is to defend um while the actual public are ignored it is it is an end run around democratic legitimacy in the democratic process and it is it's just it's 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 it's, your the national the national women's council will have a biological male speaking you know like what was the purpose of the National Women's Council? Was it, it to represent is, women? Is Do you know what I mean? Farce. And, and the thing is, people are slowly, I mean, slowly, painfully slowly waking up to it. 
Um, but it's it's such a slow process. But eventually there's going to be a reckoning for this because it can't continue. You can't continue to have essentially the country run by a self-serving little state-funded clique of uh, politicians, journalists and NGOs. Uh, and that's but what's that's happening. But also that's why like there's such a space. Like I go about my life and I meet different people and I have never in that wasn't politically affiliated. I have never met a person, a parent, who was in favour of anything being taught to their kids. And people more actively talking about it. I was I went to Madrid a couple of weeks ago for the weekend. I ended up sitting beside this guy on the plane who's so, such a nice guy and he had three kids and we were chatting away. He was going to Madrid with his friends and um, it was like this, it, it's in every conversation you have with people, there's this moment where I can tell he's trying to suss out if I'm going to be receptive to him going on a rant about all of this stuff. And <laughs> uh, and so I, I say the right, you know, I say the password. I can't remember what I said. And then he's like, oh, yeah, deadly. And then he just goes for it. And he's like, don't want this in my kids' skills. I don't want this. And every single person is like, I'll be polite to anybody. I'll be nice to anybody. I'll call anybody, whatever they want. But this is an overreach, whatever. Like, it is everywhere. These, like, people are not, this is not representative of the public. and. The parties are going to find that out when they when they go to the next election. And I wish that Fianna Fáil would get rid of Micheál Martin and have somebody like, you know, Barry Cowan or somebody just be the new leader and come out and say, listen, we're not getting involved in any more of this nonsense. Here's a list of NGOs that we're immediately disbanding. This is my, <laughs> this is my, like, <laughs> this is my political fantasy. What a nerd. This is the list of the NGOs we're disbanding tomorrow. We're not getting involved in any more of this nonsense. You're gone. You're gone. You're gone. Like, just, you know, whatever. And uh, it's never going to happen. But um, one can dream, John. One can dream. And yeah. I just think that in, in my adult life, I don't have a memory of there being such a disparity between the narrative that we hear from the media and the public, the elected representatives and what people actually believe. I know the emperor's new clothes thing analogy or example is, is so overused, but it's true. And it's that people are waking up. That's why, you know, media like gripped and, and the ditch and all people are starting to pay more attention to it because like they're, they're waking up to the fact that they're being sold a pup on a lot of these social issues and they're not in the minority. They're in the silent majority. You, you made a very, very funny point there, which I want to expand on because I think it's so true, which is the password. The, 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 the fact that, and it's a middle class thing because I, I, I've made the observation on this, on this podcast before that like on issues like immigration where we've had protests or people challenging the regime, it has generally been, and I say this with no disrespect, but it has generally been from working class communities who don't really feel like they've much to lose anyway, who can come out and say, uh, no, you're not putting this in our area. Whereas yeah. middle class people, they have jobs, they're terrified. They, 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 they're very careful with what they say to other middle class people in case the one person they have, they say the wrong thing to the wrong person and they're reported to human resources or, you know, there's there's sort of, I can't believe this was said. You know, you're, there's a culture of fear there. So, so there's this yeah. constant feeling. I, I experience it in my life. Well, not so much. If people don't know who I am, I experience the sort of feeling out. Whereas other times, like... The most com the most common reaction I get when I meet people who I don't know who know who I am is just thank you for saying it because we can't. Yeah, and, and that is that's an astonishing reflection of the society we live in. There is this terrible. 
fear. You know, people on the left tend to mock conservatives for saying that they're silenced and say, oh, David Quinn has a column in the newspaper and Eilish O'Hanlon has a column. And these people are always on TV. Yeah, I mean, those of us who are you know, sort of professional talkers do. But, mm. but what we mean is that the average middle-class, normal Irish person who thinks a lot of this stuff is absolute nonsense keeps their mouth shut for fear of consequences in their personal and professional lives, and their silence is then taken for assent, as proof of yeah. their assent. It is, yeah. uh, there's sort of a reign of, a reign of terror is too, is too strong a term, but there's a reign of fear um, yeah. in Irish society. And, and the hate speech bill is deliberately designed to add to it. That's the point. It's deliberately designed to add to that fear to make you careful about saying almost anything about um, the transgender stuff, immigration, um, religion, any topic, uh, travelers, any topic that's off off limits, it's to make you afraid of saying almost anything for fear of being prosecuted. And I mean, those pushing it are open about that. They're open about that. It's to tackle racism in inverted commas. In other words, to shut you up. And, and I mean, that's yeah. the that's the thing. Did you see the thing during the week where actually speaking of tackling racism, Joe O'Brien, the Green Minister, I believe is uh, in your constituency, uh, said that uh, they were having trouble getting accommodation for refugees because uh, providers and communities were racist. <laughs> no, I didn't see that. Uh, oh, no. That. Maybe I won't vote for him again. Oh, wait. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wait. In a million, billion years would I vote for him. So no fear. Um, like also that's, you know, that's what the public loves, by the way, is to be called names. Like I just, patronized to and told you know that we're called names when we don't do what you want that's well, I, the trick it's like it used to be oh you know like oh you're right wing you're alt-right you're this you're that you're transphobic you're homophobic you hate women you're anti-women like whatever and i think those things are stopping working yeah, I think so too. But I think it speaks to the. I think Joe Bryan's comments for me they spoke to the extremism that 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 is sort of taken hold in the governing class. Because if you look at it objectively, Ireland has taken in I think a hundred thousand Ukrainians, um, and then in the last year I think something like twenty thousand international protection applicants, which is the new word for asylum seekers, new politically yeah. correct word, twenty thousand asylum seekers essentially. Um, uh, taking them in almost without complaint. I mean, yeah, there have been there, there were the East Wall protests, and there there have been there have been, but those issues have mainly mainly been about uh, this area isn't suitable, rather than the whole immigration policy has to stop. Um, mm. And then to have taken in essentially one hundred and twenty thousand extra people in a year with with very little, by the way, political complaint, no massive political breakthrough for a, a hard right anti-immigrant party, and then still. To have a member of the government saying the Irish public are racist, what do the Irish public have to do to redeem themselves in the eyes of those who rule us? Because I wrote a piece last year that that did very well, um, where I said that basically the, the government and the people running this country really do think the worst of the people living in it. We're all racist, we're all bigots, we're all sexists, we're all homophobes. If you're a man, you're you're a danger to every woman in the country. Um, if you're a white middle class man, you're privileged and probably a sexist. Uh, if you are in any way concerned about anything happening in your local area, you're probably a racist or a bigot. It, it is constantly the accusations are thrown at the public by the politicians, as if we all have to be better to to live up to their grand expectations. That is the the attitude, and I, I don't know when people are going to get sick of it. Um, but I think, I think they, they will are. at some point. I think they are. Like I think that 
you know, there, there, there are there. We're seeing a sea change definitely in people, and it's because of this overreaching, and people just get tired of being called names, and you know, like, like also, also by the way, I think that like. Uh, I was listening to a thing on the radio the other day about, I haven't seen it myself, but apparently on Mount Street, there's loads of tents outside the uh, asylum, one of the department offices for Mm, people who are seeking asylum. Yeah, the International Protection Office, I think. That's it. And um, like, I was thinking to myself, is there not a form of like human rights? Like if you are allowing uh, into Ireland people who are now homeless on the street, because you want to be the best boy in the class or something. What about the like humanity of those people? Like you yeah. are not capable of housing these people. You should you should stop what you're doing because I don't think it's right to allow somebody asylum in Ireland like that to live on the road. Well, like, it, it's it's worse than that because did you see what happened in Cahirsivine this week? You probably didn't. Um, remind me. So basically, the background to this is that uh, last year, the the I think it was the Skellig Star Hotel in in Kharkiv was turned into a reception center for Ukrainian mothers and children, and there are about a hundred um, Ukrainian, uh, and they are mothers and children living in the hotel, uh, and they have integrated really well into the community. The community broke their backs to provide language lessons, get people into schools, teach the kids. Uh, a lot, I think the majority of the women in the hotel are working in the local community. The kids are in schools there. Some of them are playing GAA and they're living out of the Skellig Star Hotel. So last last weekend was a bank holiday weekend. And on the Friday evening before the bank holiday, the Department of uh, Children announced that all of those Ukrainians were being uprooted and moved to Tralee, to a new facility. School's oh, gone, jobs gone, the whole lot. Uh, so that the hotel could be used instead to accommodate um, the aforementioned asylum seekers or slash international protection applicants. And the community was outraged, not because of the change, but because how, what kind of a way is this to treat people? You say you're compassionate. You bring people into a country, they get jobs, their kids go to schools, their kids make friends. Um, and all of a sudden, yeah. you were just going to uh, overnight on a Friday night of Bank Holiday weekend, say your lives are changing entirely again on Tuesday morning. It's an outrageous it, way to treat people, let, let alone let t- leave every other consideration aside. What kind of a government treats people that way? It's it's it's, it's astonishing. And then the rest of us are racist. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> yeah. um, anyway, they backtracked. They backtracked after uh, after basically the locals wouldn't wear it. But the other element to that, of course, was that uh, the hotel was originally designated for Ukrainian women and children, and that's why the community opened their arms to it. And I'm not saying the community uh, were protesting on this basis, but there was obviously a little bit of a bait and switch happening there, whereby a year later, the people you wanted to come were being moved out. And by the way, we're going to put in a load of um, young male asylum seekers uh, while we move while we move the Ukrainians to Tralee uh, to tell the people of Tralee that the hotel they're opening there is just going to be for Ukrainian mothers and children. So like, the, the, it, there's, it's treating people like pawns on a chessboard. Um, but is that not also the kind of like like a microcosm of <laughs> like what's wrong with the way Ireland is run or the mistake that we make all the time, which is there is a system now that seems to be working quite well on its own. Let's mess with that. Like <laughs> they seem to they seem to have integrated well. It seems to have worked. Everybody's happy. No, I think we should mess around with that. See what we can do. Like, do you know what I mean? It was working fine. Leave it alone. Just leave it alone. No. Yeah. Um, so that's 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 where we're at on that. And so to start with the hate speech bill itself a little bit, because because the, the media aren't talking about it. It's got these provisions in it 
which I, I find extraordinary. So one of them is that the government can now send you to jail if you don't give them the password to your phone um, on the basis that they suspect that you might have hateful material on your phone. Now, what hateful material is, who knows? That's a subjective test. Uh, it's up to whoever finds it to decide whether it's hateful. So I might have something on my phone that you wouldn't find hateful, Sarah, but a policeman or a guard can come, ask me for my phone, demand the password, and if I don't give it, I go to jail, and he finds something that he thinks is offensive, and lo and behold, I'm in jail. That's literally the law now, which uh, you're a barrister, I'm not, but that seems to me to be very problematic in terms of our traditional understanding of civil liberty in this country. Well, I know a lot of wives out there who would have loved a law that sent their husbands to jail for not giving their phone passwords to them. <laughs> but like, that's besides the point. The most important thing from a legal point of view is that there is no definition of what hate means. So in most law, like you'd have, like, say you have burglary or trespass or murder or assault. There's a clear definition of what that is. Do you know what I mean? So when you fail to define what hate is, it could be anything. And that's that, like whatever about being able to be sent to jail because you won't give your pass, password. Like, I don't think that anybody would like. So let's just pretend that if you're if you're strongly like if you're strongly suspected of having child rape imagery on your phone and you won't hand over your password, I don't think and you can be sent to jail for that. Okay, fine. Maybe people could get behind that. But because you might have something hateful on your phone, it's just so unbelievably vague that it's 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 George Orwell stuff. Like how is that defined? I mean, if you send me a WhatsApp with a, 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 a for the benefit of the lawyers, Sarah would never send me such a WhatsApp. But if you send me a WhatsApp that has, I don't know, a sort of a, a an edgy joke in it about some, in inverted commas, protected group, am I responsible if, if the if the guardian open my phone and find that there's an image on WhatsApp from that somebody sent me, but it's on my well, phone, so I possess it? Am I, am I criminally liable for that because I might have wanted to disseminate? Well, that's a good question, isn't it? And I, what I find really ironic about that is that there are people... And I, I'm not going to name any names, but there are people who are in government right now who've been exposed for sending inappropriate text messages in the past. So they're mm. writing into like they're writing laws that would, if they were retrospective, put them in jail. Like it's absurd. Well, it's absurd. just back up the truck. They're not writing any laws. They didn't write this. Most of them, I guarantee, you haven't read it. Yeah, I, I guarantee you, most of them haven't read it. I guarantee you. Ask. I guarantee you. That if you ask, uh, just pick a Fianna Fáil or Fine Gael TD's name out of a hat from the back benches. Ask them, uh, what does the hate speech bill say? What are the provisions in it? They will tell you they have to get back to you. I mean, they've all voted it through, but I mean, <laughs> they read it. Um, yeah, yeah. That's just it's like Bart. Do you remember that episode of Bart Simpson when he's asked a question and he's like, "Did you do your homework or whatever?" And it's like, "Provided this won't be followed by any quest follow up questions." Yes, yes, I did. <laughs> Like, of course they didn't read it. You're absolutely right. But the point is, as we know, what hate is, because it's not defined, might be different. Who could have ever possibly imagined, John, 10 or 15 years ago, that me saying a biological born man is a man might be hateful? You can't possibly, like, you you can't possibly... Uh, know what what somebody might consider to be hateful 10 years from now mm -hmm. so it's completely absurd and, and and you know jordan peterson and people like that are they're right like that it's this this weird slippery slope 
Nobody wants it. It's not required. And it will lead, by the way, as well, clog up courts with nonsense. Absolute nonsense. Like, you know, there are people out there who cloak themselves in their victimhood, who are dying to be offended, who want to be their feelings to be hurt, who think that everyone hates everything everyone that says that doesn't agree with them is hateful, who will be suing people or having people charged left, right and centre. Yeah, because the Guardian have up to... Courts with nonsense. The Guardian have to investigate a formal complaint for crime. It's made if you go in and you formally complain about a crime, they have to investigate. So if somebody goes into the Guardian to uh, complain about something I said on this podcast, and I'm, I, I would be, I, I'd only be mildly surprised if that doesn't happen at some stage. Um, yeah. The Guardian are, are duty bound to come and interview me and waste their time and mine. And, you know, who knows? They, they, you, you might get the wrong, I mean, I suspect because I, I, you know, I know a lot of rural, rural Guardian. Uh, I suspect a lot of Guardian will just think this is nonsense. But they are duty bound but, to investigate. But, like, the... If I'm on Twitter uh, when this becomes law and somebody says, oh, you're just a right wing fat cow, I can now file a, like a, a, a complaint against that person. That is nonsense because I presume fat would be considered hateful. Right? Well, th- this poses another question as well. I mean, well, I don't know if fat is a protected characteristic. If it is, I shall be suing left, right and centre and be making complaints <laughs> all the time. But um uh, but I, I think this poses another problem with the law, which is, do we really think Elon Musk is going to hand over the the, the genuine names behind uh, anonymous Twitter accounts that abuse no. people? No, he's not. Uh, and if he is, he'll drag it Chris to the a- Chris Andrews would be quaking in his boots. <laughs> <laughs> For those who don't know, uh, you should um, Google Chris Andrews. Google that. Uh, anyway, um, yeah. So the whole the, the law is a mess. Uh, there's been no scrutiny of it. Fourteen TDs voted against it. Everyone else voted in favour of it. Uh, same old story. Most of the most of the uh, submissions were against it, and the Taoiseach says none of that matters because the government makes the decisions and they're doing this anyway. So that's the country we live in. And the only the only person who subjected that to any journalistic rigor was Ben. Fair play to him. Thanks, yep. Ben. I'll pass that on. Uh, but yeah, Ben, <laughs> ben is great. Um, if you're listening to that, Ben, you know, I do praise you sometimes. Ben, because I'm quite harsh on Ben behind the scenes uh, sometimes, and I feel bad about it because he's brilliant, so I'll put that on the record here. Um, okay, uh, speaking of hate speech, uh, what was the what was the badge during the week that, that we were wondering was hate speech um, promoted by a Labour councillor? Was it... Uh, Baby-killing pronoun wanker. Okay. That's what it says. So this is this is a badge that's been designed by the Labour Party's local area rep for Sligo Leitrim, that famous Labour Party stronghold. Um, and uh, she's distributing. He's got the rainbow flags on it, and it says that's all it says, right? It's just it's just you wear this badge and you identify yourself as a baby killing pronoun wanker. Is that supposed to be funny or something? I don't know. Future alderman, there, I'd say, <laughs> uh, like. I think it's deliberately, you know, it's trying to get attention or whatever, but it's just crass and, you know. But it's, it's it, you, you say something interesting there because it, it, you're right. It's deliberately trying to get attention and it's deliberately trying to get attention by being offensive and by presumably offending people. So there there are people out there, obviously, um, who would find both the language and the descriptions and the words in I mean, baby killing, that's an offensive idea. Um, it's it's so so you're deliberately trying to get attention by being offensive. I mean, what is the difference between that 
and some idiot posting on Twitter about the Jews. I mean, it's 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 provocative, hateful speech, right? So yeah. will she be prosecuted? I mean, she won't be prosecuted just for the avoidance of doubt because the law hasn't passed yet, and you can't prosecute laws retroactively. But in theory, um, would that be hate speech? I don't think it would be because I think she's. I, I don't think the law is being designed for people like that. I think it's being designed for people like you and me. Um, I'd be very surprised if there was a rush to prosecute Labour people for making sort of anti-Catholic, very offensively pro-choice statements. Uh, but it really just shows that I think it shows the caliber of the political class and those who are sort of what one might term the intellectual powerhouse between how the, behind how the country is run. That like this is the kind of thing that gets applauded, or if it's if it can't be applauded, then sort of like quietly ignored, while all the political attention in the country is focused on some poor clown who holds up a anti-immigration sign at a protest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I think she's referring to herself so probably not hate speech or whatever but I think that it's it, it, it I, I think this person who's wearing these badge badges think that they loom larger in the minds of other people than they actually do I mm. think it's like you know I mean I, to be honest I'm not a Labour Party supporter I'm not ever going to be I, I'd never get but I can you? Can, can you? I don't know where. I've seen, seen you voting, voting for Ivana Bacic. Hot off Senate the press. <laughs> Hot off the press. No. Um, but I think that I think that the Labour Party should be ashamed of that badge just on the basis that it's crass and gross and stupid and not what politics should be about. You know, the like bad language, bad spirited just the whole thing is a nonsense and it's somebody who you know features heavily as a as the main character in their own mind and um isn't really living rent free in anyone else's mind and best of luck uh in the election but i don't think i don't think people like that kind of thing and i think it's just attention seeking and it, it's this, you know it's the same thing over and over again like you know you won you won the referendums you you know you won the repeal referendum, whatever. Like, and now it's baby killing pronoun. Like, wh what about having a, a debate or a conversation about the pronoun issue? Like, if you're planning on running for office and you're going to knock on doors, I guarantee you people are going to ask you about it. You're wearing that badge. Like, oh, I don't know. I just think that the, the, the you know, the way there's people um, who collect election memorabilia and badges and different things from over the years. And they'll probably be trying to get their hands on this. And in, 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 in the future, it'll be looked at as a sad, lowbrow time in Irish politics where that was considered to be worthy of, you know. Mm. I mean, she's produced loads of them. I'd love to know how many people are actually going to wear that. Like, I don't know. Just yeah. do better. Do better. And like raise, raise, raise the, raise the bar a bit. You know, it's just a bit like beneath us that's what it is it should be beneath it should be beneath the Labour Party yeah and I mean it's not even countercultural because sometimes you get sort of countercultural sort of rebellious ideas like you know people who uh, as you know, we were talking a few minutes ago about the labels like far right and so on like there are people who will now sort of ironically say yeah, I'm a far right lunatic but it's it's it, that is that it that that makes a point because it's countercultural it is explicitly saying you know this 
narrative is nonsensical. It is it is in the in the words that it's often used in comedy, it's punching up rather than punching yeah. down. Yeah. This is just yeah. this is just crass punching down stuff. But, anyway, but, as I say, the prospects for the Labour Jan, Party and Sligo Leitrim I don't think are great. And I don't yeah. think they were improved this week. But also just to finish, like you know, I, I I didn't vote to repeal and, and I didn't like it. But the repeal jumpers, for example, were very clever. Do you know what I mean? It was a very simple type, type, uh, whatever, font on black, black, white on black. I don't like it. It wasn't my view, but they were clever. We've gone from that to this. So, like, that'll tell you what you need to know about, about that. We've gone from these badges. This is supposed to be kind of cute and funny and, uh, and hip and with it. But you know, I didn't like the repeal jumpers. But we've 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 slid a long way down the toilet with this. That's my view. Hmm. Do better. I want to finish up because as we've been uh, talking, as we've been recording this, I see Sarah McInerney is the latest RTE star to announce her departure from the race to become the next Late Late Show host, um, along with Claire Byrne, who's now out, and Miriam O'Callaghan, who's now out. I think they're in a bit of trouble there, Sarah. I I I really think they they don't have anyone obvious. Replace Ryan Tuberty. I mean, all of their 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 so called leading candidates are are on their way out. Um, and the, and the lady Katrina Perry, who presents the six one news, announced her departure from RTE this week to head off to Washington to work for the BBC. So, um, I know we didn't talk about this before the show, so you're not really prepared to talk about it. But, um, it's just because it, it's happening sort of live as we're talking. Um, they're in a bit of trouble there, aren't they? Yeah, I like Sarah McInerney. I think that she's um really bright and I think that she doesn't she's a hard interviewer and she does a good job at it. I'm not sure that translates necessarily into a talk mm. a talk show host. Um because I think she's hard news and I if I think she's right to stay there because she's very good at it. I d- I don't believe that it automatically automatically should be a woman. Like I just like mm. I think that, you know, sometimes you know, I think that the, the the moment doesn't make the man, if you know what I mean. Like, I, I just think if there's a woman there that's like suitable for the role, by all means, but forcing it, you know, doesn't doesn't do women any any favours, in my opinion. I have no idea who it should be. I think that, yeah, I think they're in a bit of trouble because I think that it's a really important decision for Orti and for the future of Orti. But yeah, I mean... I- well, I, I think, still, I'm still holding out for a George Hook. <laughs> <laughs> or Kevin Myers. Or Kevin Ke- Myers. Kevin yeah. would be great. Yeah. But uh, actually, I, I think probably they're going to end up having to go with Tommy Tiernan just moving from Saturday to Friday. Um, because Are you there's serious? No, there's no other obvious candidate. There just isn't. I mean, who do you have? Dahi O'Shea? I mean, I, I don't get me wrong. Dahi O'Shea has a fan club. I wouldn't be in it. Not, nothing personally against it. It's just a style thing. Um, but yeah, I think they're in, in a bit of trouble. But we'll watch it with interest. But... But we're also, but you're also, what we're subscribing to is the is the culture of Ireland, which is that it automatically has to come from a pool of people that we already know, and it doesn't. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? I, I, like, well, well, more specifically, that it has to come within RTE, and it doesn't. I mean, there are actually other people doing good things in media. Tommy Bow is actually doing good stuff on the morning show on Virgin Media. Anytime I see him, and very natural interviewer. Kieran Cudahy on News Talk. Uh, I sometimes appear on that show, but I'm not speaking out of bias. Uh, very natural interviewer. Um, there are lots of yeah. people outside of RTE who, who might potentially get a shot at that, but uh, let's face it, they won't. Um, well, that's so, the problem. Uh, it is, is going to be entirely an internal appointment, and they're running out of candidates. So that'll be an interesting one to watch. But anyway, I think we'll leave it there. 
for now. I think we've, we've talked about a lot. Um, so have you any last thoughts before we say goodbye to the, to the listeners this week? No, we'll leave everyone off to go and make carnation chicken and Ken Ham's rack of lamb and mm. a trifle. Yeah. Um, I, uh, I, I, I don't know what time it starts, but I'm having to set my alarm clock. I only have my lie in on a Saturday, but I don't have to get up tomorrow. I mean, it, oh, we, we, it we, early? I think, I think it's like before lunchtime, um, which is early on a Saturday, but I think, I think it actually starts about 9am or something like that. Um, I don't know, my kids are, kids are at football at 9am anyway, so I won't be watching it for until they get back, but, um, or until we get back, but, um, yeah. Okay. I'll I'll dip in and out, sure, and we'll discuss it next week. But I'll just be watching mostly for uh, the drama, the, boss, the, drama. the drama, love the drama. All right. Well, until next week, until there's more drama. That, my friends, was the week that really was. Thanks very much for listening, and we will talk to you in one week's time. <laughs>